This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining the Heroic Council. Uh, today, we're talking operations and uh, delivery on expectations with Josh Epstein. Um, you can, uh, if you uh, are a little late to the podcast, then you can find us on our, on wherever your favorite podcasts um, go live, as well as on our uh, Facebook channel. Um, today, we're here with Sarah, uh, Josh Epstein, and Parshel. And uh, thank you for joining us today, Josh. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Um, so, Josh, uh, just for everybody's um, a little bit, can you give us a little background on yourself and where you are right now and what you're up to, um, just uh, to fill in our audience? Sure. Um, so, uh, again, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk operations. I've kind of lived uh, operations, if you will, from the frontline worker to now kind of the um, executive kind of behind the scenes working on uh, all of the planning um, and organization that goes into uh, a well-executed kind of operations plan. And I've had the pleasure to work with Sarah before, um, and I am currently now working for an, an NFL team. Um, I've spent uh, quite a few years of my career uh, in the NFL working for one of the uh, football teams. Uh, in operations. So I started as a special event coordinator, which is essentially mini operations. So very short-lived um, kind of time period defined events um, and putting those together to where I am today, which is more whole scale, uh, large scale um, organization-wide operations and helping us deliver on uh, expectations for our customers, for our fans, for our stakeholders and sponsors, uh, ticket members, all of that um, goes into what we do. So I uh, spent a lot of time doing it. So um, can you uh, just, just a quick overview, what, 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 how would you describe the role that operations plays in um, businesses today? Yeah. So I think a lot of people look at uh, business as, you know, their sales and then their service. Um, and operations is really the piece that puts all of it together. Um, I think uh, we spend more time on the service side than the sales side, but also sales can't sell um, without the product or the service that we are or your company is uh, putting out there. So um, to me, I think operations lives at the intersection of every department within an organization and is really kind of the glue that holds it all together. Um, ultimately, the operations goal is to be able to deliver on what sales is selling, no matter what that is, um, in a successful way that the client or whoever the buyer is, um, is expecting. And obviously, if you can, you go above and beyond those expectations to um, you know, keep clients happy. So that's awesome. Uh, I, I imagine it's like a little bit different when you were working for an NFL team and you're working for um, some of the other organizations that you've worked for in the past. Um, Cause I know in particular, you've got the opportunity to work with Sarah um, yep. from uh, uh, a, like an international summer camp program that you guys were running. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about like specifically like what it was like working in these different areas. Um, and also, I guess, kind of um, 
Uh, is operations very different from from uh, company to company, or is it typically like, or, or or do you find it typically more similar than different? Yeah, so I think uh, overall um, operations really differs. It does differ company to company, very much based on culture and product. So um, obviously, every company is a little bit different in the way that departments interact with each other, um, and sometimes it's very streamlined and there's very defined sets of responsibilities. So in an NFL team, in a um, large scale organization, there are very defined kind of boundaries of where people work and often multiple different departments that all have their own responsibilities. Um, The small business that Sarah and I worked for, um, you know, we all did a lot, you know, and it wasn't uncommon that, um, you know, Sarah's this, you know, CMO is, and I are sitting on the same meeting, working on the same thing, which might be the application process. And it's just, you know, it, it's just, you have, every company is different in, in that way. Um, ultimately, I really think that, um, you know, operations is, uh, you know, what makes you successful is being able to deliver on the promise, right? And so, yeah. Well, I was going to say, Sarah, um, when you were working with Josh um, and you were you were working, you know, from a mixed role, but largely like a CMO role, what was it like working like what was it like for you in the marketing position to be working with Josh in in uh, in operations? And how important was that? I mean, it's critical, right? Because what I was essentially selling as the marketing person, we were advertising our, our product service. Josh was the person who had to make sure what I was advertising actually happened, right? Which is critical for a business. So, I mean, I could go out and sell all day long, but if he wasn't able to deliver on what I promised people, that the company's in real trouble. So I think that's where it's so important to, like Josh said, that intersection between marketing, sales, you know, operations is so vital because that's the promise that we make to our customers. And if you fail on that promise, like forget it. And and it's really hard to recover from that. So Josh and I worked really closely to make sure that, you know, I would sell something, he would deliver on it. And then we would both kind of learn from that and make changes for the next time around for selling again. And I think that's critical too, to know that there's a cycle between these things. So yeah, I- Sorry, go, go, so go, I was going to say, I think it goes, it really goes both ways. So um, it's a really fun, like play on how, how they work together in the sense that what sales and marketing is selling operations has to deliver, but at the same time, it's kind of up to operations um, as well to, to put packages together or say, Hey, marketing and sales, um, you didn't realize that we have this, the ability to do this, you can go sell this now. Right. And now we're both kind of inching the bar higher each other. And that's, I think, where as a operations person, you become successful in that you can build those relationships between sales and service and be able to deliver on everything in a way that is really healthy and can help the greater company as a whole. That's, I think, where you become very successful in operations. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that that communication between those teams being strong is really important. And that's sometimes where there's almost some some competitive competition, you know, within, <laughs> within, within companies like my team and this team and that team didn't do this. And I thought they were going to. And I think that's where something Josh and I always had a really good relationship, which was important, right? Like we have to work together. We have to have our departments work together to succeed. You know, we, we have to be um, not competitive ever or placing blame on one team versus another, but rather really see the value in these teams working so well cohesively. So I imagine that you're that to keep that communication, you also need like good processes in the background for like roles and responsibilities, right? Like, so as two people who were seasoned in this in this area, like what what are what are some things that you guys built that made sure that was cohesive throughout the year? Yeah, look, I think that there's a couple there's like two really big pieces of it. Um one is in today's day and age, you software is key, right? There's a million kinds of software out there that will help you do anything now. So there's an app for that, there is, right? And being able to find technology and embrace technology to help you do what you do will either make you really make your job easy so that you can focus on other things or difficult. And that's why you're going to be there is just to solve those problems. So, you know, Sarah and I have worked through a number of issues with technology that we've that we kind of all had within the company to make that um, successful. And that and we and it's been it took a lot of energy there. There are also other things that we used, um, you know, a HR hiring onboarding software that we brought on to the company. It just dramatically changed the way and the paperwork and the detailed things that you needed that, that we needed to get done in order to hire, you know, 300 people over the summer. It, you know, we brought on this technology piece to help us and it helped operations. It helped HR and finance. It helped our risk management. It helped everything that we do um in the company and then my second piece of it aside from technology the second piece i think are really um you know sops standard operating procedures and best practices so um as a you know working in the nfl they uh, are amazing at this uh the league office puts out best practices for everything from um fan behavior to uh season ticket to like how to sell the season ticket holders um, to COVID this year and how we should deal and what the best practices are when dealing with COVID related issues. And so um, that is something I think if you rely on partners like that to help build those documents, they can really be like the foundation of what you work off of. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd love to uh, like get into that COVID um, piece, particularly because of the, I guess the year we just left. Um, but uh, right now, um, what would you say is some qualities that like make a really good operations manager um, in particular? Because uh, I'm assuming like there's a lot of people who might jump into the role and really struggle with it. So what, what, are, what are some good qualities that you'd, you'd be looking for in an operations manager? Yeah, that's great. And I've interviewed a lot of people for a lot of different kinds of roles. And um, it's probably one of my favorite things that I actually get to do uh, when I have the opportunity, not just meeting people, but just seeing what creative new ideas, new people can bring to the company. Um, I think new people like that, um, you know, as a new person coming into any company, I think you can probably make the biggest impact the quickest through kind of an operations role. 
in the sense that you get to uh, come in with certain products or certain things that you already know you need to deliver on. But it's up to you to help also um, streamline those processes, make them more efficient and quicker, um, more cost savings, uh, all of those things that you can find. They give you a lot. There's a lot of opportunities within operations to really make a difference there. Um, and so when I'm looking at somebody for like an operations role, you know, I really want to find someone who won't say no. You know, there I have this. I, I say this to everyone that there is absolutely nothing that's impossible. Right. It may cost more money than is on this earth to do, but it's not impossible. Or it may take more time than we have right now to do it, but it's not impossible. And if you can go into any problem like that, um, that I think is really key just to be open minded and say, yeah, oof, this is going to be hard. <laughs> but like if you can go into it with a good attitude, like and know that you can do it. That is the attitude, I think, that makes a great operations person. So, I mean, I feel like even small businesses, because small businesses may not have somebody who's specified for, like, operations. I mean, I have no doubt that a lot of small businesses do, but, like, super small businesses, like, for instance, like, a lot of us are doing our own thing right now. We're starting our own thing. Um, And so having some, like, uh, like, in that same sense, like, what are some, can you think of some things that you would recommend that people who are operating these really small things can consider when, like when they're trying to execute well, especially yeah. ambitious projects. Sure. And I, and I think we should also clarify that, you know, you don't have to be an operations manager to be operations. You can be a consultant and you know what, part of the time you're selling and part of the time you're delivering and the other time your operations, you're trying to put your company together in a way that's really efficient, right? Or your you know, a photographer and you're going to go sell yourself and you're going to put these products together and that's great. But then there are the other times where you're like, have to schedule and see how many time blocks do I have allotted in a week and how, what is the, you know, what is the way, way I can use those the best. Right. And so you don't need to be an operations manager or director of operations or something in a big company to do this. I think everybody kind of does it every day. Um, and those of us who are working in small businesses ourselves, um, or working for yourself, you know, the hustle, right? I just said, like, nothing is impossible. And if you're working for yourself, like you kind of, you probably know this already that you've been met with roadblocks and, you know, people who have said no, and you just have to get over that, right? You've got to find a way to get over that hump to get to the other side. And that's like, you know, the, I, I think the operation side of you coming alive to, to make your business continue to run. Um, hey, Sarah. So I, I asked, um, I asked Josh, you know, like what he considers uh, good qualities for somebody that he might hire for operations. Mm-hmm. Like for some, uh, I, I'm assuming that at some point you were in a position where you had to work with somebody new who was coming on the team. Like what, what, what are some things that are important for operation managers to keep in mind when they're working with other people, like when they're working with other teams, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I and I think I love what Josh said too. When someone new comes on your team, I think the opportunity for new perspective is amazing. 
If you're a manager though, who says, you know, nope, I'm, we're set in our ways. This is how we've done it. We've done it this way for 20 years. Like that's just not gonna allow the company to grow. And when a new team member comes on, they have this unique ability to see things with fresh eyes. And I know Josh and I always enjoyed that, like new perspective. Let's look at this from another angle. Let's think creatively about this. So I think if you're, if you're a leader, if you're a manager being open to that new perspective, which can be challenging, right? Because sometimes someone could say, hey, Josh, I noticed this this way. And you can get almost a little bit defensive about that, but see that as an opportunity for just tremendous growth on, on your teams. And then, you know, allowing that to flow into the other teams is really important important as well. You know, that's, a, I think flow is a good word to use there because what one team does, you know, really does impact the other teams. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of love when you are in this conversation and you're having a, you know, conversation around a conference table when we used to get together or a zoom call and it gets a little quiet and then you're like, okay, guys, let's just hear me out. Right. And it gets a little quiet and you're like, <laughs> Come into this with an open mind. Just hear me out. Like often those are kind of the best, some of the best conversations that you get to. And either it, it's your people are open to it and we continue to talk about it or it gets shut down right away and we move forward. And that's okay too. Like you've got to be able to move forward with the direction that you have, um, the goals of your company, the financial situations that you're currently in. You know, you may not be able to do everything right away. And so you might have to say no, but I think it's quite often fun when you have that moment where you're like, hold on, <laughs> what about this crazy idea? And then you see where it goes. <laughs> we might've had that conversation a few times before, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what makes operations really fun is right. Operations has this ability to control what actually happens. And I think that's Josh, I'm imagining what makes your line of work especially fun. Now, granted, in COVID, it could be it could not necessarily be fun, but you're certainly learning and growing and evolving, which to me ends up being being fun. I, I love those you know learning opportunities and experiences. I think there's ways that you, you know, especially in operations, that you grow every single day, and I don't. I have never had the same day twice, like ever. Never, ever. It's never, ever happened. And I also don't really know what's going to happen today when I wake up. Right. And to me and my personality that I that's I actually really enjoy that. You know, I don't know what's going to happen when the phone rings and I'm like, uh, OK, like <laughs> this is a great problem to have or here's an issue. And, you know, most recently I've been working in security. Right. And that brings along with it you know, the oversight of the COVID stuff, but also, you know, the physical security of our buildings and what we do and where we, and, you know, and, and our people. And um, again, like, you don't know what's going to happen when the phone rings. And that's why I kind of love mm. the operations world. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's, so let's say hypothetically you're walking into um, a brand new position where you're introducing yourself to new teams and new problems like, like what, like, how do you, how do you start? You know what I mean? Like, for instance, if you're, if you're walking into this NFL operations position um, uh, for a new team, like what, what's, how, how do you jump into that? Yeah, you definitely have to listen first, right? You've got to be able to listen and understand what's already in place and why. 
Um, hopefully the company that you work for is okay with you asking why it's like, what, what is, why is that rule rule in place? Right. And there's probably a really good reason for that. Um, you know, I would say take those, ask the why questions and then try to process through, like, if you were in that position, when that happened before, would you have done the same thing Would that rule have come about blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, just like, you know, traveling through airports now, like, you know, if, if you, know, you kind of look back and you say post 9-11, like this is, these are the changes that were made. Okay. Well, I understand why. And this is the current status of where we are. Now we may have to get more creative on how to make your airport experience better, but we can probably do that. Right. We can probably redesign yeah. the line so that it doesn't look like you're walking way down that way and then way back the other way, right? Like a simple, you know, snake back and forth might make that optics look a little bit better, right? And I think as like an operations person, that's what you're trying to find is how can you make your clients more, you know, happier with some of the same constraints that you currently have? That's interesting because uh, it sounds like uh, that you're kind of in in a little bit of a design space too, because you have to design solutions for all these potential issues that you guys are coming against. And it's not just like execution and execution. It's like, how can we, you know, improve the experience of the people who are using these systems that we have in place? And how can we make, you know, like these things all more streamlined? Um, so like, let's say hypothetically, you have somebody like Sarah, who's like, hey, we're thinking about doing a summer camp on the moon this year. What do you think of that? And uh, we're about, to, we've made all these great flyers and uh, can you help us get there? And on your side, you're like, I don't know if we have the resources to execute <laughs> summer camp on the moon this year. How, how do you, when, when are you like, um, like this is ambitious, but I can, you know what I mean? But we can, we can make something work here versus like this is super impractical like how are you communicating that how are you making the decision that this is impractical you know what i mean like like what 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 goes into that like in that communication yeah i mean i think that's like that you know i would i would ask you know why are you trying to get to the moon right <laughs> and like why exactly do you need summer camp on the moon um you know and sarah's gonna tell me well, I have a bunch of kids who are, who are like really want to be astronauts. And so like, clearly our camp has to be on the moon. Right. And then we can have a conversation and maybe we have a conversation from there that says, well, how do we, how do we simulate that? How do you get that same feeling, but a little bit closer to home, right? Maybe not so dangerous and let's do something that's a little bit more practical. Mm. And that's where you find like the really sweet spot of, Okay, let me go out here and like maybe we have to go to a like NASA facility and maybe we have to do the you know the the zero G airplane or whatever, but like maybe we can give you all of those same experiences that you're looking for um, in a different in a different package, right? That's a little bit more feasible. I, so it's like you're sorry, Sarah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's such a good answer because I think that that's. You, you never want to squash people's dreams and ability to think creative. And that's where, you know, you said, Josh, mm. never say no. No yeah. is so detrimental. 
But to say, that's an interesting idea. How can we do that with the resources that we have? And like you just explained, I think that's amazing. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong with this. And it's like, Josh told me no. And now I'm mad at him and I'm upset. And my idea is squashed. And I'm not going to be creative for six more months because I feel deflated from that, right? Versus having a conversation and saying, thanks for that creativity. Let's figure out, you know, a scaled back version to make that happen. And I think this is where communication is just so critical. It's so easy to squash something, but it's a totally different vibe if you can squash it without, you know, squashing it, but saying, let's, let's morph that into something else. I just think that's really an amazing uh, answer you had there, Josh. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that that's, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, I, uh, so this past year, you know, has been like chaos and, um, I I'm, I'm assuming, um, that in a lot of people's roles and I'm assuming Josh in your role, you were thrown, you had to build like all new systems to deal with all, like a, a whole new set of problems that are like once in a lifetime issues. Um, like what, what was that transition like for you? Just start off with. Yeah. Um, this is a really, really interesting year um, for a lot of reasons. I think every single person that's listening to this will will agree to that. Um, and no matter what business you're in, from like you working for yourself um, or working for a big, you know, multinational company, everything has changed this year. Um, I think what it made me realize again um, was how impactful operations can be. Right. So I know that, you you know, when you walk into our building now, you need to take your temperature. You need to answer a health screening thing. You have to have signed your waiver. Maybe, you know, there are companies that, you know, are legitimately, you know, like walking up to you with the temperature thing and taking your temperature. And it's a, like a little bit invasive. Right. And on the operation side of it, I just feel like there's a lot we can do again, given these restraints of what we need to do to keep everyone safe, um, but to make that a better experience, right? Let's reimagine what you walking into our building looks like today. Um, You might have walked in and just walked straight in. Now we know you need to stop twice, but maybe something as simple as like putting a little shield up between two people makes you more comfortable um, and truthful answering your questions, right? Like thinking through those kind of things, maybe we, instead of on the screen, when we take your temperature saying, congratulations, Josh, your temperature was 98.1 today, right? Maybe you just say, thank you. Like, well, welcome. (laughs) And we don't need to like announce that to everybody because that's just not a comfortable, something that everyone's comfortable with. So to me, it was like operations 101, go back and rethink that the simplest things like we have to park every other parking space. And uh, so that when you walk out of your car, the person doesn't walk out of their car right next to you and you can stay six feet away. Well, how are we going to do that? Right. How are we going to reimagine you walking across the street and walking into somewhere? I think, you know, early on, everybody saw the little dots on the ground that were showing you how far six feet away was. And I think that's something that like the operations people learned really quickly was, Stay six feet away, but nobody knows what that is, right? So Hmm. let's give you little markers. And like when you stand on your dot, I think you generally feel comfortable that you're following the rules and you're six feet away. 
And you don't have to uncomfortably stand there and see like, am I too close to that person? Or like, is the person behind me going to get too close? Like it will make you more comfortable. So again, it's like delivering on expectations, going a little bit above to think about like what the experience is like so that, um, you know, you're just pleasing your clients, your employees or everything. So to me, it was a year of us looking at how we treat our own employees um, and fans and guests and visitors and vendors and whatnot. It's like, let's rethink that from the whole beginning. And, you know, there's actually a lot of things that have happened that are all positive out of this, right? We will probably forever continue to do some sort of screening for people. And, and that's, that's cool. Like that's, that is only here to keep everybody healthy. Right. Um, I think before there was a lot of pressure for people to go to work, even when they were sick. Right. But like being sick with the cold is different than being sick with COVID. Now, like somebody coughs next to you and you're like all really uncomfortable. I think this world has brought on a new way for even employees to think about the experience themselves saying, I'm going to stay home today because I just, I'm going to look out. I want to look out for everyone. I know that that's more widely accepted now. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have changed and I think a lot of it will stay um, and and all for the better. Huh. Um, uh, Parshel, I know um, because most of your, I don't, I don't know if I would say most, but you do a lot of live video shoots in particular. Um, Parshel, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Looks like it froze on the screen. Um, like, what what has this year been like for you, in particular, with the uh, with um, with adjusting your operational procedures when you're working with people live? Yeah, um, we've actually it's been a ball because for some reason I kind of geek out over operations a bit too, um, yeah. and so doing video and then being able to also kind of get behind and to the details of how to make you know something efficient, um, I really get excited about. But yeah, this this particular year actually. Um, when COVID hit, I actually started to um, close down my first business, which was a production company. Started a new one, but now with a new set of thinking and understanding uh, the value in operations and having a good process, like it has changed everything about what we've been able to do. Um, Tim, you're familiar with the project we're working on right now, which yeah. we're just wrapping up, you know, and that whole process, the day of that shoot from start to finish, was incredibly smooth because we put so much thought into the the ease of, you know, for the client, for their experience, for all of the crew members that were there. It was like, I was so, I don't know. I was like, I'm just going to do my very best given all the mistakes having made in the past um, and going into this one. I just was so determined to give the client the like she had a red carpet rolled out in front of her. Everything was thought of. Everyone knew what to do. Um, so in that regard, we, we looked at that. And even from that, we're like, okay, how can we make that better? That's the conversation we're having now. So I love this topic of operations. Um, in fact, one question that I had, if I can ask, was when it comes to looking at a company and their efficiency and, you know, if you're going to come in and uh, give a report, you know, they're either a plus in or they're failing, what are the main pieces, what are the criteria that you're looking at to determine like this, you know, this company mm. is spot on or they need a lot of areas of growth or they need to look into these areas? What were the, what would those like buckets or criteria points be when you're looking at a company? 
Yeah. Um, really interesting question. And really like, uh, you know, one of the things when COVID started, I said, well, maybe I'm going to start my own, cons- you know, operations consulting. And I'm going to, and it'll be from anything from events to just individual companies. Right. And to me, I, like my point, my take on this is um, one culture is huge, right? Can this company, does this company have a comprehensive culture across all of their departments that identify what success it really is, right? So that I think helps set the tone for everything. Cause if you're not identifying what success actually means, then operations is going to have a very hard time actually executing on that. And then sales is going to be upset that they sold something that you can't do. And then, you know, the executive team is going to say like, wait, what? Like, where's the disconnect? So having clear expectations and clear culture, I think was where it starts on what success means for the company is really, really important. Um, And then it's data right? Like we just have to look at data and not so much compared. There's a time and a place to compare company to company, right? There's a time where we should compare your company to another company or a well-formed company or whatever. But um, I think it's even more interesting to look at data year over year, quarter over quarter, or even between um, departments and between different business lines because that can really show patterns, right? It can show patterns of um, of overspending in certain places, right? We can say, well, hold on, this one department is doing this really efficiently. Like, why is that? And can we find that efficiency across all of the departments? Or you're going to find somewhere where, you know, there's just an opportunity. You know, maybe one department has been saying, you know, has this great idea, a great value add to the company that, you know, will probably make more work on them. So they're kind of like, well, it's just like, leave it alone for now. You know, looking at it holistically, department to department to department and finding like, what do they do and how do they uh, deliver towards those companies' expectations of what success is? That's where you can find opportunities, right? And that's where you can bring those opportunities to life. Hmm. Um, so uh, do you end up working with, um, with outside vendors, like in general, in your different, uh, businesses that you've worked for? Yeah. Um, yeah, all the time, you know, all, all of the time I, you know, from uh, the company that I work for right now, uh, um, you know, we, we, we use third party vendors all the time. And then, you know, I am started, I've started my own little, uh, you know, side venture side hustle, if you will, at the same time. And, um, you know, I have, three or four other vendors that I'm working with right now. And that's where I'm glad I'm working with you, Tim, on that project as well. So (laughs) do you, uh, do you think there are like special operational challenges when you're working with outside vendors versus like your own internal team? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, um, especially if a vendor is kind of operationally driven, right? So if you are, um, you know, an event space, right? And you are selling, mm-hmm. you've got a client who's going to bring your wed- their wedding there, and then you've got to bring in the tables and the DJ and the da 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 da, right? Like those kind of things where you're relying on outside vendors to, as part of your success, is 
is hard, right? It's like, it's stressful on your end because you now, your fate is kind of in the hands of somebody else. But ultimately, I think that's where experience really matters because you know what questions to ask, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, when I have, when I hire the, the caterers to do this event, like your very first time you hire a caterer, you might not know that you need to ask if they're going to bring the, 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 the plates and the silverware, right? You might, they may think they're just bringing the food and you're like expecting them to do everything. And now you got food and no plates. Like that sucks. Right. And hopefully yeah. your vendor is a good enough vendor that they would say something to you. Um, but that's, I think where bringing in, um, a consultant or someone who has helped, who has done this sort of thing in the past can really help you get those first experiences uh, under your belt. So you know the questions to ask and you know how to keep someone accountable and when to check in and, you know, how to communicate um, all like really important things. That, that's a, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say, I think that goes back to Parshall's point of, she said, you know, she planned so well that, that the day of things were pretty easy, but I think you often think about operations as like the event and on that day, but I don't know, Josh, what your answer would be, but I would say, you know, a large percentage of operations is done long before the day of the event, you know, even, I don't know, 95% of it is done. So you can show up that day as Parcel did confident that the day is going to go well. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I thought that was a good point you brought up. No, it was a great point. I mean, so it's funny. I used to think that, you know, working, um, I worked for a couple of baseball teams as well. And like, I always thought that in an operations world, we should have everything ready to go before the game, Right. And the only thing I need to worry about are the 90,000 variables that are attending the game, meaning the fans, <laughs> right? They are the, the one, every person is their own variable and they all bring their own issues and problems and things that you have to react to. And, you know, certainly if you didn't have them, then things should go well. Um, but though, that's what's going to be your success or not. Right. So Take care of everything you can prior to so that when those 45,000, 70,000, 90,000 variables do show up, right? Um, or it could be five variables if you have, you know, in a small in a small space, you know, when those variables do show up that you are able to react to them. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm, uh, I, uh, when I work on projects, I'm, I, I, uh, I get paranoid that I'm like, oh, am I like not thinking about something? Like, did I not ask a question that I should have asked that, I, you know what I mean? Like uh, where I feel like in, in the past getting started, I just really, this, this sounds super silly. I, I just under, under, um, underestimated the value of preparedness. You know what I mean? Wow. Like it's such an obvious thing. And like, mm -hmm. it's something that people tell you, but like for me personally, I didn't, realize how important it was to have good like just basically make a list you know what i mean like make a list of all the things you have to do today make sure all these things get executed um uh how how much that can protect you from basic stuff falling you know falling by the wayside and creating massive problems in particular um so i i know that you're uh you're now about to jump into a new you're you've already jumped into a new venture um, do you feel comfortable uh, talking about it a little bit on the podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, awesome. I'm, ha yeah, I'm happy to. Um, yeah, look, I, I oper you know, my 
nothing is impossible mindset is like a blessing and a curse. Um, in the sense that like, if I can't find something that I want, like I'm going to try to figure it out. And so, yeah, Tim, you're, you're helping me with it actually and Sarah as well. Um, I, I would say about a year, maybe a year and a half ago now, I got really into coffee. Um, and I just like love coffee, love espresso, love all of that. And found myself drinking espresso a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, my job, no matter what I've been doing, I'm always kind of busy running in and out of the house. I've got two kids and a wife and family. And, and, and I just like, I'm always all over the place. And so I love coffee. I love my job and I need to like take them together sometimes. And so I was like, ah, I need a cup to take my espresso with me. And um, I went on Amazon and I said, espresso to go cup. Like there was nothing. Couldn't, it was like, that's weird. So Googled it. Like, where are these espresso to go cups? How can, where is this? And just couldn't find it. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to make one myself. And I was going to make one. And then fast forward a year now, um, we've been, I've been through a lot of design processes. I've spoken with Sarah and Tim about this a lot. My new company is called Sprogo. So a little play on words with espresso and to go. So we're called Sprogo. Um, and we have designed and kind of created our, uh, an espresso to go cup. So it's a coffee cup. It's very small. It's perfect for your espresso drinks. But this honestly came from the sense that like, I wanted this and I couldn't find it. And my operations mind was going to be like, I have to make this. So I 3D printed some things first and I had never done that before, but I had yeah. to, do it to, to design this. I was like, I, I can think of it, but I, I need to hold it. And then, you know, now I have a manufacturing company that's making 3000 of these things. Um, they'll be on sale at some point in the next couple of months. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I've been, I've been learning a lot. You know, I didn't know what the patent process was. We're, we're now officially patent pending. We've trademarked our name. We've done all of those kind of things to form this little tiny business of mine that I just came from a sense that I wanted this, but it didn't exist. So I had to go make it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, you know, a lot of good feedback and talking to experts and people and like, oh, that's really interesting. You know, that's how uh, Sprogo kind of came to be. Um, and I'm, and, and look, I'm, I kind of feel sometimes like I'm just the operations guy driving this bus. Like I had this idea, you know, but I had my wife, thank God is a like creative person. She was an architect by trade. So she did all my drawings for me. You know, I'm relying heavily with Sarah on my social media and marketing plans. And Tim, like I reached out to you on the creative side. It was like kind of quintessential me. Like, I had to make this. I wanted this. I had to make it. No, wasn't an answer. And I may need to involve a bunch of other people to help bring it to life, but like, it's kind of coming to life now. And I'm actually really excited because a lot has happened over the last couple of weeks to be able to get the patents in, get the company formed, the website's live now. So um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about, about that as well. That's pretty That's, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's no, yeah. it's, so, it's so great. <laughs> I think to his operational credit, um, what's what's cool about watching Josh do this, and I mean, I remember the first day, yeah, like what, 18 months ago that he's like, what about this? And I was like, that's so cool. Like, and here yeah. we are, and you, you're holding it in your hands. Like, that's amazing. 
And yeah. I think what's cool about that process is you just put one foot in front of the other and figured it out. 18 months ago, correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't know how to do any of that stuff, but you figured it out. So yeah. like kind of a, a, a word of encouragement to people. It's like, if you are feeling as if it's too much, you don't know what to do, like look at Josh. I mean, he, he didn't know how to do this. He doesn't have a degree in manufacturing and, yeah, and, and yeah. all this stuff, but he's just done it. And I think when those moments of you're feeling overwhelmed by a process or operational you know, challenge that you have, it's like, this is a good example of just, you got one thing done and you got the next thing done. Then you yeah. get the next thing done. And here you are with a with a viable product. That's amazing. Yeah. The other thing I heard too, congrats on this, uh, was that you just referenced so many people. You know, I got yeah. this, I got Sarah, I got Tim, I got, and the other reminder as an encouragement too is that you don't have to do everything by yourself. That's been probably the the biggest mistake I made, you know, early mm -hmm. on with getting started was just this like super like I'm gonna do it all myself, you know what I mean? And it really doesn't get you anywhere. The more that you collaborate with people that you trust and that you, you know, also care about you, it makes a huge difference. So I also kudos to you guys too, because you all are a part of making this happen. I mean, it's not just, you know, it's it's so many people. And I love the fact that we're not alone when it comes to doing that stuff. So Awesome. And I think that's critical, like knowing who and what you need that is outside of jo Josh is, is a genius in a lot of areas, trust me. But there's areas that he knew, like, Sarah, can can you help me with this? Of, of course. Like, why, why? Why? He know he's smart enough to know that it's a waste of his time to try to yeah. figure it out if he has people that he can have help him. So I think that's a really important pieces as well and like you don't let your ego or anything get in the way of knowing when to ask for help you know there's experts out there who want to help you yeah yeah i mean honestly like I, I, I there's so many things i didn't know and if i had to do this all over again i it, it would probably it could probably take me four or five months now to like have a new another coffee glass product if i needed to right um and here it took 18 months like I didn't know that it was going to take this long for this to happen or this to happen. And, you know, yes, my cup is being made manufactured overseas. And I was like, okay, or 30 days, like, like, right. And they're like, well, hold on, you know, Chinese new year and, and spring holiday. And we will start making this like in the middle of March. I was like, what, what, you know, and like, but like to me, like I've looked at this through the whole time. If I end up with, 2,999 of these in my garage and I only managed to sell one forever. Like to me, I learned something and like that was kind of worth it for this. You know, I just wanted to learn something new and do something new and, you know, hopefully, hopefully you break even, hopefully you make money, right? That's what we all want to do. Um, but, you know, I just like love this product. I believed in it. And I said, I, it, it'll give me a, reason to learn something new in a way that's really exciting so i think you're at least going to sell three yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll take a round for this group <laughs> I'll buy. well can i actually yeah. ask you when you were designing it what were what, like because i know in, in in a lot of ways you were designing it for yourself like what was important to you when you were putting that together i wanted it to be well there i mean there are simple things like i wanted it to fit in the cup holder of my car Right. I didn't mm -hmm. want it to fall over. I, I wanted to have a lid um, and I wanted it to be like very sleek and modern and, and like modern. Cool. Like you go put this on your on the desk at at work. 
you know, everybody puts their coffee mug down and people will be like, what's that? Like that, you know, it's a Sprogo. Like I wanted that kind of thing to happen. Um, and it took a lot of iterations. Like we had one, my very first design that I sent to the manufacturer, they were like, we can't make this. It's like, okay, why not? Right. And it's like, glass doesn't form this way. Like that, like it's going to cost you a million dollars to make one of these. I said, okay, so what if I take this out? And then like, that was really for me, the design process Mm -hmm. of, you know, taking something out, replacing it with something else that kind of did the same thing until I got to a place that like this cup is made very specifically for, you know, certain kinds of drinks. It's an espresso drink. You can, put a flat white in it or a, you know, a small, like a pico latte or, you know, whatever you can put lots of different kinds of drinks in here. And that was important to me, but it had to have features that made this, that helped me enjoy the experience more than a little cup would, right. I could put in a Dixie cup and take it with me, but like that doesn't do any justice. I wanted this to just like I love good coffee, I wanted this to enhance that experience too. I, I feel like that also kind of ties back into what you're saying about like when you, let's say you were jumping into a new operations role, at a, like a new team or a new, new company. And like it's, it's, you need to kind of be okay with being ignorant about things. You know what I mean? Like why do you guys do it that way? You know what I mean? Yep. Or like if you're like, you're literally learning industrial design, you know what I mean? By like first you initially design the cup. And then when they tell you like, oh, this design doesn't work because nobody does it like this. Like, then you got to like find out like, okay, well, why doesn't anybody do it like this? And you know, what, what are the modifications that need to be moved here and stuff like that. And like, I, I know like for me personally, like sometimes I can be a little bit like, I'm afraid to look stupid. You know what I mean? So I don't want to ask those questions that are going to make me look stupid in front of the guy who knows everything. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, I think that's that's really important for everybody in particular. Yeah, I think you just you just gotta go out there and get it and like and ask. And yeah, uh, and if you're really passionate about it, that's what you're gonna do. And you're gonna do everything you can to be successful no matter what you do. And if you have to ask the question, like ask the question. You know, the worst that they can the worst thing that can happen is they say no and or or, or whatever. But you know, ideally, you know, you are you know, respected, you, you, you're, if you are brought in for an operations role, you were brought in for a reason, right? It might be your attitude, it might be your appearance, might be all of it. And you've just got to kind of mesh into the space that fits this new company. And that's where you'll grow. And it takes a little bit of like bouncing off the walls first, and then you eventually kind of fit. And then that's where you can then not worry about that anymore and just grow. So I, I uh, before we kind of like uh, close out here, I just want to ask you one more question. If you're gonna give some advice to people who may not have your background, who are looking to start their own business um, and or design a product or something along those lines, like what are some like simple like behaviors, habit, processes that they could implement to kind of like yeah, um, get started and help them kind of keep stay on track? Sure. So I, I'm gonna kind of relate this back. I think to the way that kind of operations touches every part of a company in every department in every way. Um, and just know, like, if you're starting your own, your own business, you're going to wear all of those hats. Right. And 
at some point you need to wear your sales hat and at some point the operations hat and maybe eventually the HR hat and that sort of thing. And like, that is okay. And, and that is expected of you when you have your own business and you're growing your own business. Um, but I think it takes a lot to be self-aware that you're wearing the sales hat right now, or you're wearing your operations back of house, back end, you know, hats today. And People sometimes say to me, they're like, I want to work in sports or I want to work in coffee or I want to work in the film industry. Right. And there's no job like director of the film industry. That just that's just not there. But you can be a great creative in that industry or you can be a great um, accountant in that industry or a marketing person, you know, social media expert in that industry. And there's like lots and lots of ways to wear those individual hats in a space that you're really excited about. And I think like, to me, I found that with sports and live events and a little bit with coffee now, Um, you know, and I think that a lot of hopefully, you know, I think everyone that I'm talking to, to, you know, here today, you all like are in a, in a space that you really love. Um, But you know, do something you love, do something you're really passionate about and wear the the hat that you have to wear today in that space. Hmm. Uh, Sarah, yeah, Sarah Purcell, do you want to, do you want to add anything? I think that's, that's great advice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah it. I think that the nailed impact it. is just, um, it can be seen on so many levels. Josh told me a story um, from early in his career, and Josh, correct me, I might get it wrong, but they asked you to go clean ev- or flush every toilet in the stadium, <laughs> and yeah. and you know that's not a great job <laughs> at any level. Um, but he did it, and I think that that's you know a testament <laughs> to you know now it's kind of funny and we can laugh at this, but like if he hadn't gone. <laughs> on the stadium and and flush all those toilets he wouldn't be here today like if he would have had the wrong attitude that day if he would have done half or cheated this this stuff like oh yeah they all work and he didn't check them all um i think that's just a testament to his character but also to say like do that hard work and and you know don't say no and and do those hard jobs because that is what's going to get you like the experience and you just never know what's going to come from that so yeah. Yeah, you got you got it, Sarah. Like it was it was actually the day after I gra- I graduated from college with my degree in sports management. I was like, "Hooray! I'm an expert and a professional, and like I have a job. It's going to be amazing." And like the literally the day after graduation, I showed up to this job for the first time, and they were like, "Okay, uh, game time is seven o'clock tonight. Uh, we got to go flush all the toilets. It's like ten thirty in the morning. All the all the toilets." Like, are you kidding? He's like, and I have a degree. I'm a, yeah, I graduated. Like, what? You know, and I was like, okay, whatever. I'll do it today. But like, maybe it's just because it's my first day. And like, but then I showed up like the next day and they said, do it all over again. And then it was like, realize that every single game day, I was going to flush every single toilet in the building. And then, and it honestly, it's like one of those moments that clicks for you. And people, and I think a lot of people have these moments at some point in their career, like, this, I had a click moment where I was like, ah, oh. like later on when I was working in operations and I was working in the command center of a, of a, of a game. And I realized that it was like halftime and there was a bat one toilet that wasn't working in a women's restroom. 
and we only had male plumbers. We had to close the whole restroom and like people were fighting because we had to close the restroom. I was like, that's why, like, that is why I had to do that because I just like, by me finding that issue at 1030 in the morning and us fixing it before we were open. Now there's a hundred people that were lined up to go to the bathroom that are now enjoying their experience versus complaining that this all happened. Right. It was just like a click moment that I didn't understand it at the time. It took a while to be on the other side of it and then realize that's why I was doing that. And I think it goes with like every small per small business. And, you know, especially if you're working for yourself and you're like, this sucks. Right. But you realize why eventually. And I think that's, those are just the learning moments you have. Um, so, uh, Josh, we do something at the end of every episode where if somebody is like currently like obsessed with something, like tell us what it is you're obsessed with. Like, is there a book, movie, whatever? It could be like cooking something like that you're like really, really into right now. Um, I think no surprise. Like I'm on the quest to make the perfect espresso <laughs> and you never, you wouldn't, you would never know how how difficult it actually is to get the temperature right, and the grind, and the right grams of beans in there, and then the right beans from the right place. Um, if I could spend all day just making espresso shots and tasting them, I would. Um, yeah. I just I'm on this quest to find to make the perfect one. I'll probably make it once, and then I'll never be able to do it again. Um, but Again, like to me, this is just like a fun hobby that started that has now turned into a business for me that I, I just like love. So hmm. that's awesome. Um, well, thank you for coming on the stream uh, this week. Uh, it's been awesome. Um, we'd love to have you back one day uh, when once uh, once Spurgo goes live. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, Parshel, Sarah, thank you as always for coming on today. Yeah. Um, before yeah. we go, um, Josh, yeah. how can people find you if they want to know more about Sprogo? Like, how do we get the uh, insider info when it's about to drop? Yeah. Uh, so go to Sprogo.com, S-P-R-O-G-O, Sprogo.com. Um, you can sign up to get your alerts as soon as we go live. Um, or you can also all find me on LinkedIn um, and connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to talk to anybody. I'm a somewhat of a serial connector, too. So if you want to oh, connect, awesome. talk. Like, let me know. <laughs> I love it. We'll put, you know, the, we'll put the links to that in the show notes for sure. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is a great conversation. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, uh, see you next week.